0: Becky, great ball, in. Ellen White for Manchester City.
1: Weird. Decent hit, wonderful goal. The first ever in a
0: Manchester derby in FA WSL is an absolute blinder. Scored
1: by Cam to be back this week and we're joined by two special guests representing the royal blue side of london and we've got radha host of uh she talks balls and in the sky blue of our beautiful manchester we've got rahul analyst from breaking the lines firstly apologies radha you might feel a little bit outnumbered here but it's great that you're here and that you can just fight chelsea's corner yeah thank you for having
0: me i i knew coming into this i was a bit outnumbered but i'm glad to be here and talking chelsea
1: man city it's it's a good day and Rahul, thanks for joining me. How are you doing?
2: I'm good. Thank you for having me. I don't think Rana's outnumbered that way because Chelsea are favourites, so there's no reason to. Not
1: a video. I haven't started yet. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, plenty to get through. But let's start with the round four games of the FA Cup, which took place this past weekend as clubs returned to action following the international break, which saw both City and Chelsea progress to the fifth round of the competition. Manchester City are set to play West Ham and Chelsea to face Everton on the 16th of May. And both ties will be played on home soil. Uh, Firstly, Chelsea, who beat London City Lionesses 5-0. Goals from Nima Charles, Jess Carter, Melanie Loopholes, and a brace from our good friend, Drew Spence. (laughs) Um, Much changed sides for Chelsea with a clear view on Wednesday from the manager, Emma Hayes. Full time result, which favours well, I think, on London City. Um, if you were to reflect from the high scoring games from across the weekend, what were your takes from Sunday and Chelsea's overall performance?
0: Yeah, I think. Uh, look, Emma Hayes always says we're going to take one game at a time. She looks at one tournament when it's in front of her and she goes ahead and um, puts out a good team for that day. And I think as soon as the lineup came out, the intent was very clear. They, you know, the thing with Chelsea is you can rotate players and still put on a a world-class performance and we saw that Fran Kirby, Sam Kerr and Katrin Berger, Pernilla Harder were not even on the roster. So she had them hidden in her bunker safeguarding them for the the Wednesday tie that's coming up. But without those players, we still saw a world-class performance put up by Chelsea. We see players who do not get too much time in the bigger matches get a good 90 minutes and prove their worth. Uh, I think especially with Drew Spence, Niamh Charles obviously playing a little more, uh, an attacking role and good to get the opening goal there. I think all in all, it's a classic Emma Hayes performance where she has confidence in the players. The players return that confidence that the manager is showing them. And uh, they go ahead and progress to the next round of the FA Cup. And then immediately it goes from FA Cup to, okay, eyes on the WSL, a potential title decider, we're going to go there. So I think it's just a, a classic Chelsea performance. that.
1: Yeah, and some new names as well in the same sheet that perhaps... Uh, fans might not be that familiar with. What can you tell us about those and how happy were you with their performance?
0: Oh, so, I mean, uh, I think Beaver Jones and Fox, they got their first starts with the club. And um, Wardlow, I think, came on uh, as a sub. And we saw a lot of new faces for a lot of teams across the weekend. Um, again, the bigger teams are having a little bit of privilege and advantage there where they, where they can afford to get uh, the younger players on field and give them some experience. Uh overall, I mean, great performances by them. I think one of them even hit the woodwork a couple of times. And, you know, we almost had a, a dead ball there. So it was great to see. And just, I, I can't even imagine the kind of experience these girls are getting out of the players, just as Millie Bright and Melanie Leupold, G. I mean, just being an elite company there, it applies for us and it applies to Man City as well. It's just and United as well. So it's just great to see these young players get time in the FA Cup because you're going to cultivate them there. And then finally, they're going to show up in the County Cup like Neve Charles did with that uh you know that winning goal or whatever it is so I think it just starts from here and goes on to bigger stages so it's yeah. good
1: to see I, I mean it's always pleasing to see l- like the youth coming through the squad I mean like you said we've seen that ourselves at City you know there is something ab- about that progression and introducing those names into the squad to see a player come out and contribute and and show their worth as well is always really pleasing absolutely I think uh you know
0: you, that's what you want to see, and that's what football is about. It's not just about getting world-class players and playing them all the time, and you know, winning a match like in a very short-term thing. This is about cultivating a long run, cultivating a team for the long run. And Emma Hayes has been here for nine years. Like that's we always talk about Emma Hayes cultivating a Chelsea side, not just to win something in the short run, but to cultivate players'
1: personalities and, and an overall team. And she's doing exactly that. And for City, it was a resolute professional progression to overcome Aston Villa at the Academy Stadium on Saturday afternoon. A dominant 8-0 win on the return to club football following the international break. Goals from Ellen White, Janine Becky, Stanway, Laval, Muis, and Chloe Kelly getting her first hat-trick for the club. A strong statement of intent with many players contributed to a well-rounded team performance. It'll certainly add to the confidence won't it ahead of Wednesday night at all.
2: Yeah, uh, I think I was very surprised because the first thing I asked rather was how how did, you know, it end 8-0? And I was very surprised. Uh, also, given that uh, Gareth Taylor went for a very strong team, a very strong eleven, uh, keeping in mind that we have a game on Wednesday, which is very important. Um, I think the philosophy behind that could just be, you know, you, you get the players going, you get them into the flow because uh, it, I think it'll be a very similar team against Chelsea as well. So if you can kind of, you know, they play a little bit of football before that game, uh, then, you know, they'll be fresh. They'll be ready to go for for the for the main one, which is the WSL game against Chelsea. So I think that was great. And once, you know, we scored a couple of goals, three goals, four goals, he was able to take out, um, you know, all the players and put on uh, the, the youngsters or, or the people who haven't been getting game time as such. Um, and then, you know, whoever came on also started scoring. So it was great, uh, you know, overall for the team. Um, yeah, I mean, I was personally very happy because, Louis Kelly got a hat trick. Um, you know, Rose LaBelle scored. I always love it when she plays. Um, and obviously, Sami everyone. You know, I saw Janine Becky's goal, and I was, <laughs> I, I was, I was trying to decide if it was a cross or a short, but it went in. <laughs> I think,
1: yeah, I think we're all wondering. But the way she kind of celebrated is if she knew what she was, <laughs> what she was doing. Uh, yeah. Absolute class from uh, Janine. But. Yeah, I, I think it's always pleasing as well to have that spray of goals throughout the squad as well. And I think that's really pleasing to see. Where I think City have, you know, la- lacked that clinical edge in most recent games. We're really starting to find it again, maybe.
2: Yeah, I mean, and uh, it's the perfect time, right? We need, we needed it before the Chelsea game, um, and we'll have to be at our very best because we know that they probably are the most clinical side in the league. We've seen the likes of Sam Kerr and Fran Kirby. They get one chance they'll put it in the back of the net. So that way, we'll have to be very careful. Um, another thing is obviously Steph Horton hasn't recovered uh, for this game. I don't think she's available. So she'll be a big miss. We've seen um, the Lionesses suffer without her leadership. We've seen City have a few problems. So it'll be interesting to see how we go about that, doing that. I think um, a lot of the onus will fall on uh, the likes of Lucy Bronze and Alex Green with the more experienced players, you know, sort of take up that leadership. Uh, I, I don't know. I don't know why Kira Walsh captains the side when Steph Wharton is in there because she is very young herself. Um, but yeah, like you know, this this is the, the more the more experienced players I think bring a lot to the team. Um, besides their natural talent, so I think that'll be a big part of what happens on Wednesday.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, even though we have we have seen a lot of change on that back line, especially um, how important will it be for City to draw on that consistency that we've seen in games as well. I mean. You know Dal Kemp has come into the squad, you know, she's she's had the you know number of games under about now with City, but she's really cemented herself in that back line, especially as, as a center back.
2: Yeah, I think she's done very well. Uh, you know, because a lot of the times when you join a new club, uh it, it can take you a little bit of time to you know settle in, kind of uh, understand the type of football that your team is playing to get integrated into the system. But I think she's done it very easily. She's the you know, she she didn't take a lot of time has played a lot of games already. I think um, she fits in perfectly with the system as well because, you know, you want your defenders to continuously pass the ball here and there, uh, pick up the ball, take one touch, pass it to your CDM, which is Walsh mostly. I think she's done very well. I think the only thing is maybe for this game now against Chelsea, we, we need a little bit more leadership from, from Abby Rolkemper as well because we've seen her do it so many times for the USWNT. NT. Um, I think when Steph plays, she just kind of plays second fiddle to her, but I think now that Steph is out, we will need her to really step up as, as a leader as well on the pitch um, alongside, as I mentioned, probably Greenwood, Lucy Bronze and Esme Morgan. That should be the back line. Uh, or Stokes, maybe, I don't know, but we'll see. It
1: will be first versus on Wednesday night. And the head-to-head clash may well determine which team puts the league firmly in their grasp. It's very much all to play for and both teams will be looking to secure the free points, which will have a huge bearing on this season's title race. Statistically, heading into this one, uh, Chelsea do obviously have that edge over City. But come on, games like this, does that scout for nothing. How do you see this one playing out, Radha? Oh, I mean, I don't think anyone can
0: answer that question. This, this one's going to be one that will be remembered, you know, come like two, three years down the line. I think last year, just before COVID curtailed the entire season, we had a 3-3 draw between Chelsea and City. And that, you know, it turns out that was what gave City the, Chelsea the advantage and we won by points per game and that entire thing happened. But that's a game that you remember. That was towards the back end of the season. I feel like they scheduled these matches just to keep the fans interested in this manner. But this match is going to be, I mean without a doubt, probably the title decider, right? And we've seen uh, the, the first fixture that Chelsea and City played in this match, in, in this season, my bad, was obviously at Kings Meadow, Chelsea won 3-1. There were two penalties, there were four yellow cards. So it was a high-intensity game. And I'm not going to expect anything less Come uh, come Wednesday. You know, we've got a team now that has, both teams, in fact, have just gotten into their groove. I think City were um, lacking a bit at the first in November or December whenever we played because obviously influx of the Americans and you have like a new setup, City has adjusted very well. <clears throat> in fact, when Rahul was saying that Abid al has just come and settled in, I was going to say that's just an American footballer for you, isn't it? I mean, Sam Mewis, Roosevelt, uh, even Tobin and Kristen over at the other side of Manchester. I don't want to mention that too much on this podcast, but... You just see that those Americans and the experience that they bring. And that's going to be a very big threat for Chelsea. I mean, we're going to be really wary of these players. Abby Dalcamper, who hasn't seen too much experience in, in the English setup, but has very well proved her worth. And uh, it's the reason why she signed two and a half years with Man City, right? So uh, I expect this game to be high intensity. It's a great 10.30 kickoff for Indians. So we're very happy with the timing. We finish our college day and then we get to uh, the screen and we watch the match. But, you know, it's it's going to be unpredictable. I would like to say Chelsea's going to come away with the win. We can probably dissect that a little more. But off the top of my head, it's going to be
1: one of the games of the season for sure. I mean, just obviously touching on upon last season, obviously that was the 3-3 game at the Academy Stadium was one of the last games that was played before the season did get suspended. I think you had a game after that, didn't you, in the Country Cup final, was it? Was that played the week after? So I think in terms of that run that we've had from the 3-3 to this point now... City have been not very good in terms of getting the results against Chelsea. Obviously I think we were pretty much on par in the cup wasn't it, wasn't it, where we played in the cup and it went to, um, it was 2-2 and then it went to the extra time and And obviously you got the the upper hand of us on that day (laughs) because we sort of really struggled to find anything out of that extra time. But, you know, you went out and, you know, deserve winners in that game. And I kind of feel we've not really had our opportunity to, to really show what this city side can do. And it, it kind of feels as though we've been building up to this game for a long time. You know, obviously with the curtailment of last season, obviously Chelsea winning on that season or being awarded that that season on a points per game basis, it kind of feels as though if the season could have played out and this is an extension of last season, this is kind of what it all comes down to is this game.
0: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. And, you know, you mentioned uh, Steph Martin missing out we have Magdalena Eriksson who is still on an injury update and Maren Melde obviously is out for the season and she's been a crucial player for Chelsea. And yeah, we, we forget, yeah. yeah, we forget really quick that, you know, because she got injured in the Champions League and she's just been sitting at home, she took one of the penalties in the 3-1 win over City in November. So we're going to really miss her, especially because she knows how these WSL teams play. She's been here for years. She knows how City play. She knows how to counter them. She knows how to score great penalties. We're going to miss that. We're going to have a a youngster, Niamh Charles, in her place. Again, a big test for her. She did come up very good in the Conti Cup, obviously, with a great uh, goal. But, you know, I think um, injury-wise, I think both teams are at par with a few people missing out on either end. Having said that, both teams have great depth, so it's not going to be anything short
1: of 110% this game. Uh, And what do you think, Rahul? How do you feel about heading into this one?
2: I'm obviously a little bit nervous because... Two out of three results favor Chelsea um, in in this, you know, game per se. But yeah, yeah, I think, uh, as Arthur mentioned, in terms of injuries, it's pretty even. Uh, I am so very happy that Lauren Hemp did not pick up. I mean, it was a very bad injury, but she she seemed to, you know, fight through it. And, she you know, we need her for this game because I think um, Lauren Hemp and Chloe Kelly, the kind of form they've picked up, uh, you know, throughout the season coming into this game, um, I think that'll be great also because... Kelly scored a hat-trick uh, in the last game, Lauren Hemp. Uh, there was this one darting run where she provided the assist for Ellen White. She, I thought she was going to run out of space, but I don't know how she reached that. Um, and, you know, she she gave the assist. So, so I think a few of our players will be very key in this game. Obviously, we need to be defensively strong. Um, but also from a Chelsea perspective, I think it will be very interesting to see how Emma Hayes approaches this game because there's a big game on the horizon just after this one as well for them, which is Bayern Munich. Um, you know, and they, she would want the team to be completely fresh for that because obviously Champions League. Um, I don't think she's going to make too many changes. I think it'll be a proper first team Chelsea side, um, you know, with the likes of Kirby, Kerr, Ardor, G, and everyone else, you know, Melanie. So, yeah, I think it's a very heavyweight clash in that way. Um, but maybe for me, it'll just come down to. Who can defend better in this one? Because I think Chelsea also over the last few weeks, without Magdalena Ericsson uh being there for a few games, they've become a little bit defensively suspect, you know, uh, conceding against Wolfsburg uh, and Atletico and whatever. But um yeah, I think it'll just come down to that. And uh, obviously the pace from both sides on the attack, you know, we've seen how quick Kirby, Kerr, and, and everyone else in their team is and how quick Lauren Ham, Chloe Kelly and everyone else is. So I think it's just, you know, who's going to have a better day? It it comes down to that and, um, you know, whoever whoever is able to do that will get the three points.
1: Do you feel as though there is more on this, on City to go out and get a result in this game, particularly looking at the previous results that we've had against Chelsea?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think that plays a role. And also the fact that... um, we need to win this because I don't think, even if it ends in a draw, uh, I don't think Chelsea at any point will draw points, uh, you know, after this game, which could very well happen, but it's very unlikely. So I think it's very necessary for us to get a win. I was also thinking about the game, you know, a little bit in terms of how the opposition are. And it kind of reminded me of that second, like, Barcelona game uh, because, you know, everyone was like, you got beaten 3-0 in the first leg. There's no way you're making it. Uh, anywhere in the second like but we actually played very well in that game um you know the spirit the character i think that is what we need in this one also um maybe kind of try to play down the fact that it, it is a title decider just you know enter the game with the mindset that it's it's like any other game and you have to you have to win and also home advantage there is no home advantage as such but it's always good to be playing at home um so i think that'll be yeah that'll be good
1: and Rana, how do you feel about obviously City's form at home? You know, is quite strong. You could probably argue that obviously, with the extra time, <laughs> with the extra time that Chelsea played, really, we've not lost a game at home in in some time. So, how do you feel about that? Obviously, heading into this one. Yeah,
0: look, home advantage, home turf is always a big deal when it comes to sports. You know, the fact that there is no audience has downplayed that a bit but we always pride ourselves whatever team we might be on winning at home winning consistently at home chelsea got beat by brighton at kings meadow and like we were crying and that just happened. and and obviously city again got beaten by chelsea in the county cup and and you guys try to say oh it was just the extra time that we lost <laughs> we have
1: so, to draw on all these positives you know
0: <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Every team, every fan just has to, has this attachment to their home ground. And that's going to really, it's definitely going to play a factor. I mean, City are going to say that this is our turf and you're coming to us and we're going to show you what we're made of. And Chelsea have to, again, have this mindset that this is just a field. We're going to go there. We can play this football in Antarctica. We can play it in USA, but it's just going to come down to the football and not the turf. And I think when that happens, when that mentality kicks in, the best team comes out on top. And that's what Chelsea has been doing well. They've been doing consistently, winning a lot of games. Uh, you know, be it at a neutral ground for Champions League or wherever else. So the home turf is definitely a factor. It always is. It's been downplayed a bit. And I feel like mentality helps to downplay that further. So it's going to be crucial for Chelsea to come out with all guns blazing to make City a bit distracted and say that, hey, are we on our home turf? Like, what's happening? We feel a bit out of place here. And when you make your uh, opponents uncomfortable, that's when you can really capitalize. So I think Chelsea are really good at doing that. They're going to definitely do that with Samka hitting a stride right at the, you know, peak of the season, the business end of the competition. Fran Kirby is just touching everything she touches becomes gold. It's just incredible. I think weakness-wise, Chelsea have a weakness in their centre-backs. Uh, Millie Bright is just not fast enough for Lauren Hale. Magdalena Eriksson is not fast enough for Chloe Kelly. And they have tendencies to, uh, you know, give away penalties cheaply if they get beaten by the runner. Um. That's, I think, something that City can definitely capitalize on. I'm sure they will. And honestly, when I think of Chloe Kelly, Lauren help and then Ellen White in the middle, I shake a bit because that is a deadly trio. That's like a package of three that I see going to Tokyo. I see them really doing wonders for Man City as well. Um, so it's going to come down to curtailing those three in the front. And then our attack is pretty much sorted as we've seen in the past. So I think our, our weakness is our defensive line.
1: Uh, both teams though, have got players who have, have stood out on an individual level this season and, and there are certainly names there that are in contention for player of the season. Uh, you've already said that kirby Kerr partnership has obviously come to fruition for Chelsea this season and you know it's incredible to watch. Obviously, that is so pleasing as a Chelsea fan, I'm sure, to obviously see that come full, full term now, having obviously seen Kirby come back from injury um, and that illness and, and Sam Kerr just really finding their footing in the WSL. Rahul's already spoke about Lauren Hemp, you know, Chloe Kelly, and and what they can do for us on the wings uh, with that central attack threat from uh, poacher Ellen White. So there are certainly some real goal threats in this game, uh, for sure. Um, But who else do you think will be the ones to watch in this game?
0: So uh, I think with every football game, it comes down to the midfield battle. I mean, we talk about the goal scorers, we talk about the goal savers or defenders or whatever you want to call it. it comes back to who can control the ball who can manage their players a person in the midfield has is a pivot right they connect to everybody and kira walsh obviously a youngster but she's super talented honestly like i wish she was on my team um and then we have uh the jingle poles midfield as chelsea fans call it um g sophie engel melanie loypoles i think uh just this jingle poles three that we have is going really well for us they have G, I think, is such an underrated player. I mean, she's quite silent on the field, but she's been in the, the, the Barclays um, WSL team of the year for God knows how many years now. So I think it comes down to who can boss that midfield, who can command it, and who can make sure that, you know, if if the Man City midfielders can make sure Fran and Sam don't get the ball, then City will win. And if the Chelsea midfielders can make sure that Hemp and Kelly don't get the ball, then Chelsea will win. I think it comes down to that. And obviously, it's going to be a goal fest we've, broken down the forwards on both teams. They're excellent. We've had a 3-3 result. We've had a 3-1 result in the season. It's going to be a goal fest. Both goalies are excellent as well. They're on top of their game. Uh, AKB has been saving penalties left, right, and center in the Champions League somehow. But the fact is that we're also giving away penalties, right? That has to be stopped. And I think with Lauren Helms run into the box, I mean, I feel a penalty coming, not going to lie. But uh, it's going to come down to who bosses at midfield, as it usually does with football games. And uh, yeah, the winner is going to come out from there.
1: I mean, we've seen games won and lost in midfield for sure. And I'm expecting a, a relatively open game, like you said. But uh, Rahul, do you feel, do you kind of feel as though, you know, the, the opening goal in this match will be the most vital one?
2: Yeah, I think it always is, right? <laughs> uh, it, it always is in most of the games. Um, but I think just adding to what rather said, there's also I think a little bit of of an advantage that we get that we have when Sam U.S. plays because it kind of gives you a set piece opportunity as well. You know, whenever you whenever you're taking corners or free kicks, you can expect her to be the one to attack them, and you know, more more often than not, she will end up scoring. So I think that that also be a good good part of you know how we play. But I think um, just besides midfield battles, also uh, it could also come down to what kind of a system both teams adopt. Um, because as I said, firstly, I want to talk about G. Uh, you know, she's just one of those players who, you know, reminds you of, I don't know, for me, it reminds me of someone like David Silver because, you know, it's just playing passes here and there, you know, accurate, precise, even if it's a long ball, she can just ping one of those into one of the wingers and, you know, then Chelsea suddenly finally become very dangerous uh, on in the transition. So that, but also I think it'll come down... It could very well be just a sort of an approach where, you know, Chelsea are like, OK, if, if we don't have the ball, we're just going to sit a little bit, let City come at us. And once they do, once, you know, they, they might make a mistake and then you have the pace in behind from Kerr and Kirby. and you know then they're just running and they score. It could very well come down to that sort of an approach as well if you're not getting the ball. And similarly for City, if, if Chelsea have the ball, uh, you know, most of the possession, I think you you would look to capitalize on your wingers because of the pace they have. So you know someone like a uh, Caroline Weir just pinging one ball to Lauren Hemp because you know you can utilize that pace um, on on the counterattack. So it could it could be a more pragmatic approach. I don't think it'll be that way because Emma Hayes and for that matter Gary Taylor as well. I don't think will um, you know kind of shift away from their philosophies. So yeah, it'll, it'll be a it'll be a very fascinating game.
1: Um, and obviously, with Champions League progression to the semi-finals for Emma Hayes, it's quite an intense scheduling of games really this week for Chelsea. Um, how do you think your manager side heading into Wednesday's title clash, and will Sunday's semi-final against Bayern Munich factor in terms of team selection for Emma Hayes? That's a great question. You know, and I
0: think that's one that keeps me up at night in the past couple of days because uh, on one hand, you look at Emma Hayes and the way she's been running this club and the belief that she has that. Whichever 11 I put out, they're going to they're gonna deliver and they're going to win it for Chelsea. And we, we've seen that happen in the recent months. But at the same time, realistic, we, realistically, we look at this and it's Man City in the WSF and then Bayern Munich in the semi-final of the Champions League. You need your best 11 on both occasions. And you can argue that oh, all 25 or 26 in the squad are can potentially be the best 11. But you have to look at the players that are combining well and that are performing currently. So, um with WSL, she's not going to take any chances, I think, because Man City are in red-hot form. Bayern Munich, in fact, lost over the weekend, which was their first defeat in the in the front Bundesliga. So that's, again, an interesting aspect or angle dimension going on there. Man City, I mean, Rahul mentioned Caroline Weir. I forgot about her, and now I'm getting worried because uh, she's I mean, look at that. That team is full of world-class people, a lot of them going to Tokyo to the Olympics, uh, Americans, Scottish, English as well. So, look, this team is just... Uh, hitting stride at the right time. And it's 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 a threat. It's very dangerous. I feel a bit nervous thinking about it. Um, obviously, Chelsea, Emma Hayes is going to... Emma Hayes has a plan. That's that's like, I mean, if I had to tattoo that on my forehead, I would because Emma Hayes has a plan. She knows what she's up to. She's done her homework. She's done her research. I see a, a very strong eleven coming out versus Man City on Wednesday. And if so happens, they're going to rest for two days and then the same 11 is going to shock for Bayern Munich because... We've seen these athletes are very, very strong in recovery. They've been provided all the facilities, everything needed. They've done, uh, you know, three matches in a week for the past couple of months. I'm sure they can do it for a couple more weeks. Even means clinching the WSL title and having a shot at the Champions League final. So, Emma Hayes is not going to back down and she's going to come out with the strongest level on both occasions.
2: I'm just adding on, I think the fact that this game comes about a week or, or maybe a couple of weeks after the international break, also helps with the rest, right? Because even though you played during the international break, it, it's sort of a period where, you know, you can relax a little bit more than than you would uh, in, say, like a three-game uh, match week or something like that. Um, so that also helps. And, you know, you've played a Conti Cup game, so you've gotten into the stride a little bit. And now, you know, you can go full guns blazing. And I don't think it should be a problem for Chelsea, really, to You know, maybe they can rest a couple of players for the Bayern game. I don't think everyone will have a problem in, you know, playing two games in, in the space of three three or four days.
1: Is, um, is the first like being played away? No, the first is at home. So that's quite good then. <laughs> You've not got a factor in the travel. That's a yeah. positive. <laughs> That's, That's awesome. positive. Obviously, we'd like to wish Chelsea all the best in the in the Champions League semi final. It's great to see an English club progress in the competition, even if it isn't City. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to say that now. I wasn't not so much last week. Wish you all the best at the weekend. Um obviously today, there's there's been obviously this announcement announcement of the uh, the Super League, uh, which is obviously caused a bit of upset and there's been a bit of fallout from it across uh social media uh it does have the potential to impact the future of the women's game details however are very limited but if a if a new european so-called super league were to be in the offering something similar to that that we've seen announced for the men's game what is your initial reaction to the news and um, what is your view on the proposed format
2: it's just one of those things where I- you know for me the way we've been involved with football like us friends all you know guys who have been watching for about eight or nine years now i don't think we've ever had this sort of of you know havoc in in the world of football i think i i, I don't think i've seen twitter like this i don't think i've seen other social media platforms you know rage with so much uh you know like their complaints and everything related to the Euro- european super league but yeah i think it's just one of those things where, you know, it does it's it just doesn't make sense, right? I mean, okay, maybe the biggest clubs. Some people are talking about how it'll 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 allow fans to watch the biggest games, you know, the ones they want to watch. You know, do you you want to watch Real Madrid versus Liverpool, you want to watch Bayern Munich, you want to watch um, you know, Chelsea play Barcelona, you know, those those sorts of games. But you know, I think there's just so many more negatives to it, right? Because Um, They're talking about the money aspect of it, where they'll pull out all the money and it'll just be used for this league. Uh, So you're essentially dividing the money amongst the 12 clubs that are going to participate in this league. And suddenly the smaller teams, with all due respect, become irrelevant. If if you're thinking about the Premier League, you think about Leicester City, West Ham, teams who have been sensational this season, Um, you know, suddenly just not getting anything. Uh, from from uh, the the league they play, in you know, or anything like that. So it really doesn't make sense to me. Um, I, I think lots of people have similar sentiments. We've seen, you know, people talking about how uh, this is going to ruin football. It's going to kill the sport, which it definitely will, I think. Uh, but I was just saying Raza in the morning also that the worst part is it could actually spill over into the women's game and the and the academy graduate, you know, whoever plays from from. The, the young people, so the, the under-18s and the under-17s and all. And it could be a very, um, you know, if it keeps chaining like that, it could very well make a club system very toxic. Once that happens, you know, uh, you know it's, it's just going to fall down very quickly. So that way, I think the ripple effect is too huge to be neglected. But I think the greed for money has just blurred uh, sort of the vision uh, that these people once had for football. So when you talk about Manchester United's owners and Liverpool's owners um, who are loved by the fans, I, I feel like now is the time when you just... I've heard so many of my friends say that they don't want... They don't feel like supporting their team anymore because of the fact that they've joined in uh, with, with this whole idea. So it's it's a very upsetting thought for the, for the footballing world. Um, I hope they can do something about this because you know some of the some of the rumors that have come out have just been i think shocking the the fact that you know um uefa said that you can't have the players who participate in in the european super league cannot play for their national teams so they will be banned uh from playing uh, in in their domestic leagues uh, or that and you know the, some of the reports about how much money will be given so i think i read somewhere that um the amount of profit that one team could be making from the european super league is is about 3.5 billion pounds, which is, which is just mad. And, and you know, just the way, like some of the things, you know, they've talked about how clubs who are willing to participate in the European Super League will be given welcome bonuses of 200, 300 million pounds. You know, it, it, these numbers are huge. You know, you can't, you can't just say, you know, throw them around for fun. But that is what has been happening. And, you know, um, in the end, if all the money is used up for the men's teams, what do you do about the women's teams? Because ultimately the people organizing the European Super League will go to Sky Sports for telecasting and broadcast deals. And we, we, we heard that very recently the WSL signed a deal with them. And now you think about, you know, if, if all the money is pulled out, what happens to that broadcasting deal with the WSL? Um, so it's, I don't know, there's just so many more negatives. There's like 99 negatives for one positive or this. So I don't know how uh, this will be tackled you
1: know there almost seems like so many questions and obviously not enough answers at the moment and obviously as time goes by obviously more light will be shed on on what it means for the women's game potentially moving forward but like you said at the moment it does seem very much a, a sad day, really, for the, the game of football in general. You know, it, we've worked so hard, especially from a women's game, to, to, to stay, sustain it and grow it. And, you know, we're moving forward in, in a much positive light with so much, you know, more viewership, uh, sponsorship potential, you know, obviously w- with a view to, to getting fans back in stadium after the pandemic with a hope for you to see increased attendances and, and things like that. And then this is sort of caused a bit of upset and a, and a bit of, sent it in a bit of disarray. I, I really just can't get my head around it. What do you think, Mahad? Yeah,
0: look, uh, firstly, um, I just checked and um,
1: Chelsea are playing
0: away in the Champions League. So they're going to have to travel after the match.
1: Oh, they match. are traveling. Uh, do you know? Oh. So that's I just know. another... I wish I you know. have mentioned
0: it now. <laughs> I know, I know. But I had to, it was weighing on my conscience. So that out of the way, This um, European Super League, obviously, it's uh, the lot of the entire buzz is about men's teams doing this and that. And I haven't been following it a lot very closely. So Rahul's been, you know, keeping me up to date today. We've been discussing a lot. I feel like after reading the statements and everything, it's still a very nascent stage. Everything that's going on, hopefully it doesn't go through. uh, But if it does, you know, statements of intent have been signed. I was reading the, the ESL statement and there's this token sentence for the women saying that when it is feasible, we will have the women's team, whatever. And that's just a metaphor for this entire process, isn't it? That you just have this very ambiguous, vague women's statement there, assuming that, oh, everything's fine, we've included the women. But it's always an afterthought, and that's the entire case of That's the entire problem.
1: It was very much... It had the similar undertones for me as it did of the statement of the Project big picture back in uh, October last year. That sort of dissolved very quickly, (laughs) Uh, I think moving forward, it, it, is, it does seem a bit like the final straw. You know, i mean? there's obviously a, a lot of disgruntled fans and I think the heart of everything that obviously comes from football with the fans and it just feel as though that is being undermined at the moment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, that's the entire problem, isn't it? That all the decisions have been taking with keeping the men's team in mind, but Chelsea assigning signing as a club, as a franchise. So the women's team is being dragged along for whatever is happening. Same for all the clubs out there. And for it just seems to me that there is this trend where for good things like investment and money, the women are left behind and, you know, it comes back very late to them. But for these things where, where oh, we're breaking away and we're going to do this and we're going to rebel and riot, the women are just being, like you know, taken along for the ride when they've not asked for anything. So I feel like now what happens is when the bridge becomes or the gap gets bigger and the smaller teams now need to bridge that gap. going to need money and they are going to happily take it from their women's teams and put it into the men's teams to bridge that gap and that's what i don't want to see happening i don't want to see the women to just be a secondary afterthought and when we need money we can happily draw it from there and it doesn't matter that you know we're not bothered about the women's team and that's my biggest worry is that the entire greed and everything, making a men's league is going to impact the women just by drawing out money from there. All the hard work that the athletes and the fans and sponsors, everyone who's put into that game is just going to get sucked out within an instant just for greed of a couple of owners. And uh, yeah, that's my biggest worry. That honestly keeps me up at night. I haven't been able to
1: sleep last night just thinking about all these possibilities. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a lot to take in.
2: Uh, Let- so i is just uh, reading on The Athletic as well. Um, and i think some of the statements that have been made with regards to you know how they'll approach the women's side of it uh if once you know the time is right i think that was what they wrote in quotes when the time is right they're gonna have it for the women but i think there was something that I mentioned there about you know the fact that liverpool uh the as a club so you know the men's team will be part of the european super league which means that liverpool the liverpool women's team will get a free ticket into the women's European Super League or whatever when that happens. And because the Leon's men team men's team, sorry, is not part of the European Super League, the Leon's women team will have to suffer because, you know, even though they, I think, are one of the most they, they're one of the best teams women's football history has ever seen. And then, you know, you can't leave them out just like that because their men's team hasn't made it in there. Anyway, I mean, the idea for the women is just bad itself. But you know, these are some of the things that are being said, and also. The fact that, I think there were, there were comments everywhere on Twitter that, um, you know, it'll be a good chance for the, all the big women's teams to come together and play with each other. And maybe in the long run, it'll give them more money, right? So if you're putting all the money into just those teams, then it'll obviously help distribute a, a good amount between, or sorry, among all the, all the teams that are participating. So it'll help the bigger teams grow. But... Uh, I think someone wrote that what happens to the smaller teams, and then uh, the reply was they're anyway irrelevant, so might as well just let them go. Which is which is not. It's crazy, right? You can't just let go of your. You can't have a. You can't have a WSL with just four teams. You need the other eight to be there, right? For it to be a proper sort of league or competition, and it's really mind-boggling because you know they are like um, you know we leave all the smaller teams. We just have the big teams. Then what do you do about um, anyone, you know, the players who play for those smaller teams and the fans, you know, who who support their teams. It's just, I think, a case of, again, like I said, money, just money in itself. The, the owners of different clubs want to fill their pockets. And I think at the end of the day, they don't see how you know that the beautiful game is going to get ruined
1: and again another thing another point from obviously today as well i think tom gary had mentioned for the telegraph that there had been no initial consultation with the women's team or the women's league about the proposal which again just goes back to this communication this consistency that we're all striving for it's just not Mm -hmm. happening at all um there are definitely lessons to be learned uh here and hopefully moving forward um you know there is a lot to take from this season alone that can hopefully carry forward to ensure that uh, we do start to see you know we you know we want to be seen as the best league in the world the best super league in the world <laughs> um ironically and um you know until these small inconsistencies improve it it lacks that professionalism i feel
0: yeah exactly and that's the entire point i mean it just feels like we're going to be dragged into this and when they're in, they're still not being consulted. Like, it's just a big chaotic hot mess. And um, I, I wish I wake up tomorrow and it's a dream. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. But uh, we have to get serious about these, uh, you know, the women's side of things. I mean, they're professional athletes at the end of the day. They play World Cups. They play Euros. It's not a case of, oh, they're just semi-professional people just on the side. It's the day. Stop making women an afterthought. I think the second that happens, the second they're treated and thought of as on par with the men's team, and the academy team is up there as well. That's when you can really make a change within a franchise. And because now a club like withdraws from the European clubs association, that's going to impact the women. I mean, the women are just minding their own business, but suddenly they're going to say, hey, oh, you're not part of the European club. association, you can't play in the Champions League. Whatever implications there are, just, that's just something that has become very, it's just become very, like, just a a parallel to how the women are being treated it's just this entire new system it's become a metaphor for the entire thing and I'm hoping that it's broken somehow and it's changed but just looking at the the owners and their mindsets and the greed, selfishness that's coming into it I don't see that happening anytime soon
1: yeah unfortunately not right let's get back to Wednesday then before you both leave and I really appreciate your time tonight I appreciate obviously there's this bit of a time difference here so I think it's five and a half hours ahead so it's, it's getting quite late there. Um, just wanted to get a, a bit of a quick prediction from you for ahead of uh, Wednesday. No, you go.
2: No, you go first.
1: <laughs> okay, uh,
0: let me think about this. Okay, the prediction I'm gonna go. It's gonna be a gold fest. Both sides are gonna get in on the action. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say a two-two draw. Now, this, I don't want it to happen, but I'm gonna say it's gonna be a two-two draw, and and the title race is going to get that much closer when it comes to, um, you know, the end of the season. I'm, I'm saying this as a draw because if Chelsea win, I'll be happy. And if my prediction comes right, I'll be happy. So, some hopefully, I'll be happy either way. Hopefully, City don't win. Uh, but yeah, 2-2 two, 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 two is what I'm going for.
2: Uh, yeah, I think very similar to what Rafa said. Uh, it's For me, it's very difficult to look past Chelsea. I don't know. There's just something about them, especially over the last couple of weeks. I think the sort of you know, moral boost, the confidence boost that you get when you win big Champions League games, and and you know everything. It's just a different sort of you know. It gives you a different sort of mentality. So it's very I would like to back my team. I always get told by my friends that I don't back my team, enough. But uh, I would I would want. See, I tell you, I I think it'll be a draw. I think um, you know at the end of the day, both sides will be even enough to to make the score even. But I, w- I would want to say to one City because I just want City to win. And, you know, at the end of the day, I know there's a lot to lose, but at the same time, you get this low-key feeling that there is nothing to lose because, you know, it's it's about Chelsea. If we win the game, uh, we'll be ahead. But, you know, and that'd be a bigger sort of, um, I think, uh, setback for Chelsea than us because, you know, no one's expecting us to anyway win. So I think that way, I would want to say to one City.
1: I kind, I kind of feel for me that, City almost can throw everything at this game and I really hope they do um I do uh think like my said there's, there's going to be goals in this game I don't think I could cope with a another 2-2-3-3 kind of game um I think it I think it's gonna I'm gonna go with a low scorer and I'm just gonna go with simple one nil at home, even though I probably don't even think it's going to end up playing out that way. I don't think there's going to be much to separate the two sides. And never usually is. Uh, I think it's going to take a bit of a wonder goal and a moment of magic. And that's what I'm hoping for on Wednesday night.
2: Emma, if we keep a clean sheet, the treat is on me, OK? <laughs> there is no way <laughs> we're keeping a clean sheet
1: i would like that that's great uh, right guys do you just want to uh, plug yourselves your social medias uh, obviously you both have podcasts so just drop um drop the name of where they can find you all right um so you can find me at she talks ball
0: on instagram and twitter it's basically a platform where i cover women's sports i believe that content coverage conversation is the way to enhance it and you know that's why i love talking football i love talking women's sports and podcasts and with other fans as well so thank you for having me on emma and yeah you can catch me there you can i'm live tweeting some game or doing something else um constantly on twitter so yeah catch me there
2: yeah um i have my own podcast called back to the drawing board so you can find that on spotify there's no official account for it on twitter um but you know it's just myself so you can find me whenever sends out the, the tweet. But, uh, yeah, and, you know, it's just something that I used to talk about some, you know, not not match reviews or anything, but just something, you know, some analysis and everything. So if you like that, you can check it out on Spotify.
0: Yeah, and I highly recommend Rahul's podcast. I've been listening to the episodes. I don't watch men's football too much, but I've been listening to his episodes and they're very concise, very short and very... Very informative. They just open up your entire perspective to like a simple position and how a position is seen on the field or an entire match or a tournament. So, yeah, definitely check out Back to the Drawing Board by Rafa.
2: Yeah, I think mine is more detailed, but if you just want match reactions, if you just want to see what happened in a game, you can go to Sea Ball on YouTube. Um, You know, if you want to live tweet, you can do that. I think Rafa is always up for someone, you know, to live tweet of games. I am not very good at it, but if any of you are, you can go check that out.
1: Madha, you need to give your sister way more credit for backing PSG. I
0: know. I'm, my sister is a Man City fan, firstly. So we're going to have a big clash on Wednesday night in front of the TV. I don't know what's going to go down there. There's going to be some hair pulling or something going on. But <laughs> she just predicted the Champions League draws. Uh, I don't know how she did that. And honestly, she's said that um, Chelsea are winning the final. So I'm going to just take that, uh, take her word for it as well. But yeah, she was <laughs> some sort of prophet. I don't know what went on in her brain there.
1: Very good. Well, thank you both so much for joining me. I've really enjoyed talking to you. Um, it's been great to to dissect, obviously, what's happened over the last week and hopefully what will be a very good game on Wednesday night. So hopefully I'll speak to you both soon. And thank you both very much. Thank you, everyone.
2: Thank you so much.
1: Thanks to Rahul and Radha for joining me on this week's episode of the podcast. We'll be back next week uh, either celebrating or <laughs> consoling each other following wednesday night wednesday's game will be available to watch live on bt sport don't forget kickoff is 6 p.m and we'll be back next week stay safe everyone